Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning. What a fantastic way to start the programme. That was Roy Ayers, of course, with Everybody Loves the Sunshine. It's me here on Jazz FM, Elliot Moss, with Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today, I'm pleased to tell you, is Stephen Rappaport. He is the founder of Packed Coffee. Packed Coffee is a business that delivers beautifully ground and roasted coffee to your front door. And he says it's the best in the world. And we're going to sample it very shortly and I'll be telling you whether it is or it isn't. I'm sure it is. Lots coming up from Stephen. In addition to hearing from him, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkon Dorea. Some words of advice for your business. And as well as all of that, of course, a tasty mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Van Morrison, classic blues from Albert King and this from Eric Bibb. The powerful bluesy sound of Eric Bibb with Silver Spoon. Stephen Rappaport is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. He's the founder of Packed Coffee. And as I said earlier, they make the best coffee in the world, so he tells me. And they deliver it to your front door. They grind it, they roast it, and they get it from all over the world. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming and bringing in what what I'm now going to tell you here is a beautiful bag of coffee. I want to start with the coffee. Um, just bring it over here a second. Let's have a, let's have a look at it. What's it called, this one? Uh, so this is uh, Hermes Pereira, uh, which is from a, a beautiful small batch producer in Brazil. Uh, Brazil um, produces about 25% of the world's coffee, and this is absolutely one of the gems. Like They, they, they send out yeah, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tons a day. This is a really good one. So Packed Coffee, everybody, is this business, which you set up in 2012... Is that right? Uh, I did, yeah. 2000, he's checking. <laughs> yeah, I, <was> <laughs> he's, I got to tell you, Stephen's very relaxed. He may drink a lot of coffee, but he looks a very super relaxed man. And Pat <laughs> Coffee now turning over almost a couple of million pounds, around 30 people working in the business. A bit more than that, actually. A bit more. Yeah. Well, it's going fast. My figures are already out of date. Good. <laughs> um, we're going to taste some of this. While you make it, I'm going to ask you some questions. Sure the thing. bags are beautiful. It's P-A-C-T, and the name of it is Irmas Pereira, and you said it's from Brazil. Yeah. You, What gave you this idea? You're going to make the coffee, because sure. you, you we've got the kettle in here and everything i'm gonna try and oh god just smell. the smell's smell good that. if only you could smell three days ago the smell is fantastic um, you you made you made the move you were actually um this is not your first venture it's not it's my fourth um though i had two sort of uh fairly fairly um quick and cheap failures initially which um uh i think were probably my making uh, in a lot of ways all, all of the richest the best lessons came from those uh 
the keep, first keep I, pouring. Sure, on, pour sorry. The, cough, pour the first I started. You promise me coffee. You're gonna have to. You have um, to talk and deliver. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> two, two at once. I can't multitask. Um, yeah. So the first I started at university. Um, ran that for four or four years, in fact. Um, what was that called? Uh, that was Escape Tours. It was a package tour business. And that um, one failed, did it? Um, sort of, yeah. We certainly didn't achieve what we set out to. Um, jump forward a couple of businesses, Crash Padder. Um, a lot of people are now familiar with a business called Airbnb. Uh, fantastic company where you can rent somebody's home or spare bedroom instead of a hotel. We can hear um, the water percolating. Yeah, yeah. Through, I just way, which I, which I quite like. This is meant to be happening. So what is that little contraption you've got there? Uh, so this this is called a Hario V60. Uh, this, um, although it sounds very complex, is a really simple way of making world-class coffee. A little cone-shaped filter sits on top of your mug. You can make a cup of the best coffee on the planet as quickly and as easily as you, as you do instant. Um, and it means that you, you can just get the absolute best out of a cup of coffee. Well, this is what occurred to me, and um, is that I want to we'll put the name of that on the on the website because um, I like these pods, and mm. I've interviewed Peter Granger from Cafe Pod, and I want to also work out how I can get freshly ground stuff. So that's called the what's it called? It's called a Hario V60. And in fact, when people join Pact, if they'd like to, we we give them one of these for oh. free with their first bag. Um, you so, mentioned pods earlier. Uh, watch this space. We're putting our our coffee into Nespresso capsules wow. uh, that, that it's being beta tested at the moment it's really hard to get coffee of this standard out of those caps no no one in the world has yeah. managed yet uh, so give it a month or two we're nearly there more coming up from my business shaper Stephen Rappaport and by the time you come back after this from Van Morrison I'm, I'll have been sipping some of this gorgeous coffee this is sweet thing from as I said Van Morrison That was Sweet Thing from the seminal album from Van Morrison called Astral Weeks. Stephen Rappaport's my business shaper today. He's the founder, as I said, of Packed Coffee. Over a couple of million pounds of turnover. Um, they deliver coffee to your front door. He's, As he said, he's done a couple of other ventures. Haven't quite worked out as well as this one. You studied, and by the way, the coffee's in my hand now, so I'm just going to sip this first one. You're making one for yourself over there as well still. Let me just try this. Oh, that is actually, and I, that is fantastic. So, what, what you should what you should notice from it is, that, so it's a Brazilian coffee. Uh, it's like typical of South and Central American coffee. It's quite a chocolatey, not very acidic. Yeah, like nice and rounded. Works beautifully with milk. Uh, if you dr- take milk in your coffee, avoid East Africa. Go for like South and Central America. I should be but taking notes. More, <laughs> more, more importantly. Um, it was roasted, you see on the bag there, it was roasted on the 10th of this month. Uh, something a lot of people don't realise about coffee is it's it's a fresh product. Like Once it's been roasted, you've got to drink it within five weeks. Um, so what's what brings that coffee to life in the cup is the fact that it was roasted a few days ago. It's going to taste exceptional for the next month, then it'll start to flatten, start to go a bit woody. Wait six months and it'll taste like similar to the coffees that you, you might find on the shelf in a 
in a supermarket. Now, you're talking about this because you know and because you're passionate. And I think you've been quoted as in saying, or at least someone said of you, this person's managed to combine his passion with a, a business. The businesses before, and you alluded to Crash Powder, the, uh, the peer-to-peer accommodation business, which then, as you said, got bought by Airbnb. You, you didn't nail it then. I even believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, but apparently you almost failed the entrepreneurship module that you did at Birmingham University. I think I did fail You think it, you, you know, did fail yeah. it. Tell me, is it, you know, <laughs> I've, I've met a lot of people and the people that strike me as the happiest and do the most successfully, doing the, the best, are those people who have combined their passion. Not always, but mm. on the whole. Did you think it would be harder because you love the thing that you're, this thing called coffee? No, I thought it would be easier. Do you know, I mean, I've always felt the the thing that one needs most to succeed as an entrepreneur is resilience. Um, it's so hard. Like, it's become quite a fashionable thing to start a business now. And um, someone asked a great question the other day. Someone was in our office, a uh, guy was there for an interview and said, of course, I want to start my own business. And my one of my um, colleagues said, well, is it the, you know, the endless hours, the thanklessness, the low salary or the enormous risk that, you know, that most appeals? <laughs> um, that resilience, you know, the ability to face the uh, same challenge that you failed four times to solve already that month and face it the fifth time with more focus, more care, more attention, more energy. Like That's not there unless you're passionate about the thing you're trying to solve. Like You need to get more uh, energetic and passionate the harder it gets, not less. Now, you mentioned earlier, you know, the failures were the way you, what you learnt. Mm. If there are one or two things that are stronger than the others in terms of the memories of what you really learn. Mm. What would they be? You've mentioned there all the attractive menu of why one shouldn't become an entrepreneur. <laughs> what was it about this business that just didn't work? Mm, what was it about this business? Or the, the business no, before, the yeah. I can tell you exactly. Uh, it, it took quite a lot of reflection to figure it out. But, you know, during the earnout, uh, when, when I was, I spent six months with Airbnb, which was a privilege, I mean, extraordinary business uh, to spend some time in. Um, and what I realised there was that the reason they had out-executed us with that business. And yeah, Airbnb really is a one in a one in a million startup, but it was all to do with passion. It wasn't um, intellect or access to support or access to finance. It was that they cared so much more about the vision of the world after Airbnb than we cared about the vision of the world after Crash Powder. You know, Pact, that, that's what I have in Pact. It's, it's a vision for the world after we've succeeded, and that's what gets me out of bed every morning. Um, well, well, if you haven't got one of those and you're listening, you need to find that vision of the world after and insert your own fantastic idea. Lots more come up from my great business shaper, uh, Stephen Rappaport. He's a great coffee maker too, and I'm still sipping. Latest travels come up in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your burgeoning business idea. It better be a cracker from our programme partners at Mishcon Durea. I'm Emma Walcott. I'm an associate in the reputation protection team at Mishcon Durea, part of the private uh, department. Businesses of all sizes need to be very careful about how they and their employees engage on social media. We advise all businesses to have a robust social media policy so that staff are aware what they can and cannot say on social media, either for business use or in their own time. Staff need to be well aware that what they say on social media, um, even on the weekends and in their own name, can have a very um, severe adverse impact on the business's brand and that may have um, ramifications for their employment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, you get to catch a fantastic shaper from the world of business talking to me about what they do, what makes them them and special, and how you might pick up some brilliant insights. If you don't happen to catch all the programmes, you can go into um, iTunes and put in the words Jazz and Shapers, or you can go to cityam.com. They're showing loads over there, and ft.com as well. Stephen Rappaport's my business shaper today. You hopefully would have heard us enjoying a sip of coffee. I'm still enjoying the coffee. It's not too cold. Um, he's the founder of Pack Coffee. They make amazing coffee. They find it and they they, they grind it and it's, um, it's roasted and then it's delivered to you. And he was talking earlier, if you were listening, about passion. Now, the passion of your investors, you, you can't just set these businesses up without having some investment. Um, people have often said to me, they haven't bought the idea, they bought the person. Would that be true of you? Because you've got some stellar people investing in you and some stellar businesses from Rowan Gormley, who recently has um, sold his business to, to Majestic and become the CEO, to um, the MMC Ventures business, to um, Robin Klein. Mm. Uh, all those people, these are, these are proper people and a whole bunch of angels. What made them buy into Pact? <laughs> um, I, I, I guess you'd have to ask them. Um, I've heard investors in the past say... Um, Particularly, you know, when we raise money from Connect Ventures, bear in mind it was me, I say we, I was by myself in my kitchen uh, and they backed my vision. Um, they, they backed the plans for Pact rather than current business performance. Um, so I've heard a lot of investors say you, at that stage you back the jockey, not the horse. And I think that's probably what happened there. Um, you know, as the business matures, as it progresses, I think investors gain faith from your metrics, from your performance, critically from what your customers say about you. Um, I think there's a lot of cynicism around uh, venture capital or, or, or investment that they're all sort of greedy fat cat bankers. But I can say with certainty the guys on my board yeah, they challenge my vision. They challenge the purpose of the business. They really push the company to be all it can be, um, not purely from a financial return point of view. Although, of course, you know, <laughs> well, of course, they need me, to meet. They do need to make money as well. And but. tell me about that vision, because um, again, if there's if there's a business, then there's a trend that says one ought to have a, a vision, not just a vision that, that 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 delivers money, but that delivers something else. What's the something else for you? I think that's right. And you know, don't get me wrong, there are business people out there whose vision is out-execute the competition, and that's the thing that they get their energy from and their passion, and that's totally uh, valid, like credible. Um, for me, it's um, it's flavour. Uh, the importance of flavour, I think, is the, is the was the original driver. For, for launching Pact, I think um, I think flavour is as credible and as beautiful a, a form of art as music is, uh, or as painting. I think it can move you in exactly the same way, and it has just as much social value. Um, in my opinion, coffee is—I mean, this kind of coffee is as good as flavour can possibly get. It's the most symphonic and um, uh, like potentially breathtaking, and people are robbed of it um, by. The convenience of instant or capsule coffee or by sort of commodity coffee that you'd find on the shelf in a supermarket. And th there's two reasons that, that that's a bad thing. Um, first of all, that we, we, we solve a, a problem at home. We, we solve a profoundly first world problem in the first world, which is access to the best coffee you've ever made yourself uh, and the promise of never running out. Um, importantly, uh, the problem that we solve at Origin is we through converting people in the UK from instant to specialty coffee, which is ultimately what we're doing, we create a huge amount of value. I mean, Pact, 
I'm, I'm really open about it. It's probably 10 times the price of a cup of instant coffee. I think it's phenomenal value. Uh, anyone that makes the leap from instant to specialty, yeah, they're probably going to spend a couple of hundred pounds a year more on coffee if they drink two cups a day. Uh, but all of that value goes back down the supply chain to the producer. Uh, and commodity coffee uh, is picked by unskilled labour in um, the third world. Um, it's a, it's a, a seasonal, uh, unskilled migrant workforce who are paid cash in hand. Like The opportunities for, for human rights abuse are, are rife. And specialty can't be picked by unskilled labour. You know, we, our, our pickers, they're not wealthy, but they live above the poverty line. And, um, you know, there's, there's two ways you can affect that change. You start a charity uh, or you start a, an aggressively commercial business with a good heart. And, you know, I've done the latter because I think it's, it's, um, it's going to be a much more effective way of solving the problem. And that is a vision. Um, and I want to talk about execution after a little bit more music. This is Albert King with Kansas City. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. I'm going to get me one. The legendary Albert King with Kansas City. Stephen Rappaport's my business shaper and he's been talking about his vision. And that vision of flavour, that vision of a fair supply chain, that vision of speciality, charging more, it's expensive but it's of great value, all of those things make perfect sense. You you used the phrase a couple of times, out-execute. And sometimes, you know, if it's a Pret-a-Manger, they want to out-execute other sandwich bars in McDonald's likewise. You mentioned Airbnb. How are you out executing your competition, whether you define your competition directly as speciality or anyone else that's delivering online? And it is a lot of this is online um, delivery management, isn't it? I'm, I'm imagining or you at least that's where a lot of it seems. Is that, yeah, is that correct? There's, like there's a logistical complexity. And of course, you've got to be efficient in what you do as a business. Like we we're not a huge company, um, but we on a busy day, we have to roast and grind uh, and pack and ship a ton of coffee, which is about four thousand packs, and you've got to do that in a cost-effective way. But are you um, doing it in a really in a way that no one else has done? You, you know, well, to, actually, to this point about out out executing that, the competition. That side of things, yes, I think we're we're really innovative uh, with, with what we do. All of the technology that we use to sort of power our our roastery and our factory, we've built in house with Raspberry Pis for those geeks in the listenership. They're like tiny little, sort of moderately but sufficiently powerful computers, and we, we've coded everything ourselves. How did you know how to do all this, by the way, Stephen? I mean, you've gone, I know you've set up geekery. other businesses, <laughs> but where does, where does the geekery begin? Obviously, you want to find out, but where did you go to build this, now what sounds like to me, the, the, the naive person over here in the coffee world but what is it because you've really you, you know to build a supply chain to work out who to go and talk to to pack to have the technology the what did you call it the mm. raspberry raspberry pie raspberry pie yeah. all those things they take a, a level of knowledge well it's funny uh, and i think you'd find this probably from any other uh, passionate person if you ask them where their knowledge about the thing they're passionate came from they probably don't know they're just aware they've always been accumulating it mm. and um the, the same is true for me of coffee uh, and also of, um, I suppose, entrepreneurship. I just, it's always um, thrilled me. And, uh, really when, thrilled and you me. say that since when? I mean, obviously, you, I got you oh, ev- forever. Like forever. Um, my first ever commercial enterprise was probably when I was 10, buying a pack of sweets from the tuck shop at school and selling half the pack individually 
getting all my money back and, and going and sitting by myself and eating that half a pack of sweets. And it was like the, the best flavour. It, 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 yeah. And, and then, then what was, know, there, was there something in your teens as well? well? I think at 16, I probably, same business model, but cigarettes. <laughs> and um, no, I've, I, yeah, it, it's, it's gone from there. Where does that come from? I just as a quick, a, a quick question. Is that a, is that a familial thing? Or just that's just you, Stephen. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur, um, and st- you know, still is. Um, I don't know. Do you know, I've I've no idea. I'm just it's something that I'm just aware of. Um, yeah, it's something I'm aware of that drives me. That that sort of thrills me. Well, it's nice to sound like you know, here a man that's that's very thrilled. Final chat's going to come up with Stephen. Plus, you're going to hear some music from the Elder Statesman. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. The anthemic sound of the elder statesman with Montreux Sunrise. Stephen Rappaport is with me. Rappaport, indeed, I should say, with a proper T, is with me for just a few more precious minutes. And we've been talking about passion. We've been talking about vision and the two are obviously related. And critically, Stephen, we've been talking about execution because passion and vision are one thing, but without execution, you wouldn't have a growing revenue or a margin Mm. or indeed people that wanted to invest in you. We were talking before um, about where that knowledge has come from. What's the most critical part of the execution of your business? Um, so I think um, I, I think it's in knowing what to uh, measure and what to try and influence and the knowledge that the two are, are normally not the same thing. So um, as a, a any business book will tell you that you should measure the cost of acquiring a customer and the lifetime value of that customer and try to accelerate the lifetime value and try to increase it and improve retention. And... Um, I think for Pact, um, one of the critically important things is to make sure that everyone in the room knows that although those those metrics are really, really important, and you know, don't get me wrong, I look at them often, they're not the thing we're trying to change, that they reflect that we've succeeded in changing a customer's experience or how well we're listening to our customer base or how well we've improved the quality of our coffee. So has that, have you needed any other help? Externally, from like the government or from these uh, the loans that they may have offered, or access to capital, or anything like that, or has it been you and a group of people that you've surrounded you? The reason I ask is because people, many entrepreneurs I talk to, say, you know what? If you're depending on the government, you're depending on the wrong group of people. <laughs> I think that's not a, in a bad way, not against this government or any other no, government, but just I think the that's general an excellent point. Excellent way to put it. Um, we've certainly benefited from some things the government has done. The EMI scheme is is, uh, is a great example. Um, every member of staff at Pact owns some of the company uh, in a very tax efficient way. Like that's good. EIS has made it easier for us to raise capital. Um, but and then we've we've been damaged by some of the things that they do. You know, ultimately, I don't think that we would have made any different any decisions differently as a business mm. and our vision wouldn't have been influenced by anything the government could do. Um, they're a force that exists, um, I think in my mind at least, that nudge by a, by a tiny degree in one direction or the other, like the outcome of what you're doing, rather than influence what you're doing. I'm sure that stops being the case 
uh, when when the business is sort of an order of magnitude larger or after flotation or something. I'm sure the the effects of what they do can be felt more directly. Um, but but right now, you know, we're growing 20% a month, and I don't think there's anything the government could do that would improve or damage that. Good. Keep it that way. What The one thing you, you would say to a budding entrepreneur right now, yes or no? Go and do it. Yes. Oh, God. Because uh, you talked earlier about, well, everyone seems to be, what, what would be the criteria? What's the question? So they, is there a question they should ask themselves? So, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. It's, um, do you care about the problem that you're trying to solve so much that if someone set up in competition with you and they succeeded and as a result killed your business, would a large part of you be delighted for the fact the problem had been solved? If the answer is no, I don't think you should start that business. Um, right now, it's probably never been easier to launch a business to raise with these tax breaks and stuff. A hundred grand, fifty or a hundred or a hundred and fifty grand, and stop doing your job for a few years while you try to do this business. But if it's not going to succeed, then that's just middle class benefits, and I I don't think it's a good thing for the economy or for the people involved to to, to launch that kind of a business. Like if it's based in passion, then do it immediately, and you'll never look back with regret. Fantastic answer. Thank you so much. It's been great meeting you. Thank yeah, you, you so too. much for your time and your coffee, especially. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Uh, it's it's Humphrey Littleton, um, Double Day. Uh, it's the first jazz record I ever bought. Uh, Humphrey Littleton, um, I saw this record out of the front of a second-hand records shop in Soho for a quid, and I bought it, and I must have played it two or three hundred times since I just um, well here's another time we're going to play it especially yeah. for you thank you so much this is him Humphrey Littleton with I Double Day was I Double Day from Humphrey Littleton, the song choice of my business shaper today, Stephen Rappaport. Evangelical person. Wow, did he love his coffee. Passion running right through him. Fantastic. And unbelievably geeky about his subject. He was obsessed, wasn't he? He really knows what makes a great cup of coffee. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the programme. Stay with us here on Jazz FM because coming up next, it's Mr Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea, it's business, but it's personal.